Here are some clips from this week's deep dive episode of the Bestseller Experiment for Patreon subscribers. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, a special deep dive episode that we record exclusive for our patrons over on Patreon and our academics on the Bestseller Academy. And deep dive episodes, we always do a little bit of digging, a little bit of deep diving. And this this is one I've been hoping to do this ever since I set eyes on this amazing book, uh, Louise Wilder's Blurb Your Enthusiasm, uh, which is an, just a history of blurbs and what makes blurbs great. Uh, Louise has been a copywriter at Penguin Books for 25 years, and during this time, she estimates she's produced about 5,000 blurbs. And this book answers questions like, why do some authors hate blurbs so much they burn their own books? Should all adjectives be murdered? Is blurbing sometimes maybe lying? Is it true that you need a, a, an adorable animal on a book's cover to make it a bestseller? And what are the most terrible blurbs of all time? This book is, uh, it's its taken, its it's got pride of place next to all my best how to write books. Uh, so this is um, absolute genius. Louise, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm very well and even better after that amazing introduction. Thank you so well, much. I've been waiting for a book like this to come along for a very, very long time. And uh, I think it's absolutely terrific. And it's, um, I'd like to talk about, first of all, how you got the gig, because not every publisher has a dedicated copywriter. I mean, at Orion, I think it was done partly with the editors, partly with the authors, certainly my publisher. I do mine and send it to the publisher and say, what do you think and get feedback? But uh, you were, you were, how did you get that gig and um, how does it work over there at Penguin? Um, yeah, you're absolutely right in that most publishers actually don't employ copywriters as far as I know. Um, we're, we're quite a rare, hopefully not a dying breed, but um, we're, we're quite a small and secret army at a few publishing houses. Um, Penguin especially have always had a tradition of employing copywriters to write mm -hmm. cover copy and, um, you know, treat the words that go on the cover as being as important as the words inside in some ways and as, in, you know, important as the cover design, which obviously I think is a, a great approach. Um, and I think the idea is as well that someone who's outside of the book um who hasn't been so involved with it for for months you know maybe even years like an author and the editor mm. can do that thing of seeing the wood for the trees not being so immersed in the detail and the world of the book that they just don't know where to start which i'm sure is a familiar feeling to a lot of people um and as you say mo at most publishing houses it's a, it's a combination of author um and editor that write it. Um, yeah, I, th I think most most of the time it's collaborative rather than, yeah, <laughs> you having to just write your own and send it out there, which sounds a bit scary. <laughs> it, is, it is, it is. Um, what, yeah. So was your background in marketing or editorial? Or was it a bit of both? It was actually publicity. I started working in uh, right. Penguin but, uh, Children's Publicity in the 90s, um, which was quite terrifying for me, actually. <laughs> yeah, I would say I wasn't temperamentally suited to it, but I loved writing the press releases. I just loved kind of trying to come up with that hook, you know, thinking what's the first thing that should go on this press release to really grab someone's attention. Mm -hmm. And then I was lucky enough um, to get a job in what used to be called the blurbs department. This was back in the 90s. It was actually called cover editorial, so you can see that you know the idea was that um they were just in charge of the words on the covers across the whole of the company and um, and since then that's you know we've been disbanded we work within marketing departments now so right. so essentially it's 
you know, as you know, marketing takes many forms, but I suppose what I'm doing is marketing to the the end consumer, as you might call them, or, you know, the reader, <laughs> in <laughs> other <different>. words. <laughs> let's let's have a quick brief history of blurbs, because it's something that you, you talk about in the book here. Uh, and in particular, you know, we talk about the first, really the first novel, which I guess was Robinson Crusoe. And I love the, I'm going to read the blurb out because you, you've got it in the book here. And I just love this. Uh, so this is um, Robinson Crusoe, which published in 1719. The life and strange, surprising adventures of Robinson Crusoe of York Mariner, who lived eight and 20 years all alone in an uninhabited island on the coast of America near the mouth of the Great River of Orinoke. Having been cast on shore by shipwreck, wherein all the men perished but himself with an account how he was at last strangely delivered by pirates written by himself. I mean, they give away the ending. They do, <laughs> it breaks every rule. But you can't help but think this is this is great. He twenty years, twenty eight years. Does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's yeah. There, there's no. Uh, one of the things I do is look at you know these sort of prototype blurbs I call them, which appeared on the title pages of novels. So before novels even had were bound with covers as we know them, mm. these title pages used to be hung up on strings in in bookshops, and so right. you know you could sort of compare it to the, the little rows of covers that you see on Amazon in a way yeah. <laughs> to try and entice the readers in. Yeah. Um, and um, as you say, yes, they <laughs> they don't get the idea of holding back the plot twist, do they? But but I think also it's very enticing. And what you can't see, obviously, from from what you've read out, is that pirates is in massive capital letters yes, as well. It's, it's, it's like they knew the USP there. <laughs> exactly, pirates, and with gets its own line. It's all our with, you know. It's like ta-da. and not only that, but also uh, it's, it's terrific. But it is it's it's kind of exciting as well. And the the other one I really like was the. Um, the blurb, if you like, for the first edition of the King James Bible, which goes back even further in 1611. So it's the Holy Bible, all in caps, containing, spelt with an E-Y, the Old Testament and the New. So you're getting your money's worth there. <laughs> newly translated out of original tongues and with the former translations diligently compared and revised by His Majesty's Special Commandment, appointed to be read in churches, imprinted at London by Robert Barker, printer to the King's Most Excellent Majesty, Anno Dom 1611. So that is saying to you, this is a quality product. This, you know, not only is it, you know, the King's James Bible, people have really worked hard on this. And that's another thing that we still carry on with, with nonfiction now, isn't it? It's assuring the, the reader that this is, we've done our homework with this and that we still do that now, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think even if you look at like either the first advert for a book, um, which was, you know, centuries ago, um, it's doing the same thing. It's saying, you know, like this, you know, it's printed, it's really well made, it's, you know, really well printed, you know, my shop's just around the corner. <laughs> Come have a look. <laughs> and, um, and I think, no, you're absolutely right. It's this, especially with nonfiction and literary fiction, I think, is that you want to somehow assure the reader that that your work is is of high quality. Um, perhaps some of the ways we do that now are less effective than others. <laughs> you know, all those dazzling, groundbreaking adjectives that we use. But yes. I think they're still trying to do the same thing. They're trying to say, look, you know, trust us. This is honestly, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, before we got some listener questions uh, and we'll get into some of the more nitty gritty about what makes a good blurb. But there's there's one one rule that I, I thought was just 
terrific and it's worth taking note of and it's it's uh, you're you're writing all of be a magpie one detail is worth a thousand adjectives and you give us your first example uh the uh the, the copy that introduces that the heroine of eleanor oliphant is completely fine i'm just going to read this out eleanor oliphant leads a simple life she wears the same clothes to work every day you can help support the podcast subscribe today at bestsellerexperiment.com slash support that's bestsellerexperiment.com slash support. Thanks again.